section twenty one of a history of our own times volume one by justin mccarthy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter ten movements in the churches part one while lord melbourne and his whig colleagues still in office were fribbling away their popularity on the pleasant assumption that nobody was particularly in earnest about anything the vice-chancellor and heads of houses held a meeting at oxford and passed a censure on the celebrated number ninety of tracts for the times the movement of which some important tendencies were formerly censured in the condemnation of this tract was one of the most momentous that had stirred the church of england since the reformation the author of the tract was dr john henry newman and the principal ground for its censure by voices claiming authority was the principle it seemed to put forward that a man might honestly subscribe all the articles and formularies of the english church while yet holding many of the doctrines of the church of rome against which those articles were regarded as a necessary protest the great movement which was thus brought into sudden question and publicity was in itself an offspring of the immense stirring of thought which the french revolution called up and which had its softened echo in the english reform bill the centre of the religious movement was to be found in the university of oxford when it is in the right and when it is in the wrong oxford has always had more of the sentimental and of the poetic in its cast of thought than its rival or colleague of cambridge there were two influences then in operation over england both of which alike aroused the alarm and the hostility of certain gifted and enthusiastic young oxford men one was the tendency to rationalism drawn from the german theologians the other was the manner in which the connection of the church with the state in england was beginning to operate to the disadvantage of the church as a sacred institution and teacher the reform party everywhere were assailing the rights and property of the church in ireland especially experiments were made which every practical man will now regard with approval whether he be churchman or not but which seemed to the devoted ecclesiast of oxford to be fraught with danger to the freedom and influence of the church out of the contemplation of these dangers sprang the desire to revive the authority of the church to quicken her with a new vitality to give her once again that place as guide and inspirer of the national life which her ardent votaries believed to be hers by right and to have been forfeited only by the carelessness of her authorities and their failure to fulfil the duties of her heaven-assigned mission no movement could well have had a purer source none could have had more disinterested and high-minded promoters it was borne in upon some earnest unresting souls like that of the sweet and saintly keble souls without haste and without rest like goethe's star that the church of england had higher duties and nobler claims than the business of preaching harmless sermons and the power of enriching bishops keble could not bear to think of the church taking pleasure since all is well he urged on some of the more vigorous and thoughtful minds around him or rather he suggested it by his influence and his example that they should reclaim for the church the place which ought to be hers 
as the true successor of the apostles he claimed for her that she and she alone was the real catholic church and that rome had wandered away from the right path and foregone the glorious mission which she might have maintained among those who shared the spirit and purpose of keeble were richard hurl frude the historian's elder brother who gave early promise of a splendid career but who died while still in comparative youth dr pusey afterwards leader of the school of ecclesiasticism which bears his name and most prominent of all dr newman keble had taken part in the publication of a series of treatises called tracts for the times the object of which was to vindicate the real mission as the writers believed of the church of england this was the tractarian movement which had such various and memorable results newman first started the project of the tracts and wrote the most remarkable of them he had up to this time been distinguished as one of the most unsparing enemies of rome at the same time he was as he has himself said fierce against the instruments and the manifestations of the liberal cause while he was at algiers once a french vessel put in there flying the tricolour newman would not even look at her on my return though forced to stop twenty-four hours at paris i kept indoors the whole time and all that i saw of that beautiful city was what i saw from the diligence he had never had any manner of association with roman catholics had in fact known singularly little of them as newman studied and wrote concerning the best way to restore the church of england to her proper place in the national life he kept the thought before him that there was something greater than the established church and that that was the church catholic and apostolic set up from the beginning of which she was but the local presence and the organ she was nothing unless she was this she must be dealt with strongly or she would be lost there was need of a second reformation at this time the idea of leaving the church never mr newman himself assures us had crossed his imagination he felt alarmed for the church between german rationalism and man-of-the-world liberalism his fear was that the church would sink to be the servile instrument of a state and a liberal state the abilities of dr newman were hardly surpassed by any contemporary in any department of thought his position and influence in oxford were almost unique there was in his intellectual temperament a curious combination of the mystic and the logical he was at once a poetic dreamer and a sophist in the true and not the corrupt and ungenerous sense of the latter word it has often been said of him and of another great englishman that a change in their early conditions and training would easily have made of newman a stuart mill and of mill a newman england in our time has hardly had a greater master of argument and of english prose than newman he is one of the keenest of dialecticians and like mill has the rare art that dissolves all the difficulties of the most abstruse or perplexed subject and shows it bare and clear even to the least subtle of readers his words dispel mists and whether they who listen agree or not they cannot fail to understand a penetrating poignant satirical humour is found in most of his writings an irony sometimes piercing suddenly through it like a darting pain on the other hand 
a generous vein of poetry and of pathos informs his style and there are many passages of his works in which he rises to the height of a genuine and noble eloquence in all the arts that make a great preacher or orator newman was strikingly deficient his manner was constrained ungraceful and even awkward his voice was thin and weak his bearing was not at first impressive in any way a gaunt emaciated figure a sharp and eagle face a cold meditative eye rather repelled than attracted those who saw him for the first time singularly devoid of affectation newman did not always conceal his intellectual scorn of men who made loud pretence with inferior gifts and the men must have been few indeed whose gifts were not inferior to his newman had no scorn for intellectual inferiority in itself he despised it only when it gave itself airs his influence while he was the vicar of st mary's at oxford was profound as mr gladstone said of him in a recent speech without ostentation or effort but by simple excellence he was continually drawing undergraduates more and more around him mr gladstone in the same speech gave a description of dr newman's pulpit style which is interesting dr newman's manner in the pulpit was one which if you considered it in its separate parts would lead you to arrive at very unsatisfactory conclusions there was not very much change in the inflection of the voice action there was none his sermons were read and his eyes were always on his book and all that you will say is against efficiency in preaching yes but you take the man as a whole and there was a stamp and a seal upon him there was a solemn music and sweetness in his tone there was a completeness in the figure taken together with the tone and with the manner which made even his delivery such as i have described it and though exclusively with written sermons singularly attractive the stamp and seal were indeed those which are impressed by genius piety and earnestness no opponent ever spoke of newman but with admiration for his intellect and respect for his character dr newman had a younger brother francis w newman who also possessed remarkable ability and earnestness he too was distinguished at oxford and seemed to have a great career there before him but he was drawn one way by the wave of thought before his more famous brother had been drawn the other way in eighteen thirty the younger newman found himself prevented by religious scruples from subscribing the thirty-nine articles for his master's degree he left the university and wandering for years in the east endeavouring not very successfully perhaps to teach christianity on its broadest base to mahometans and then he came back to england to take his place among the leaders of a certain school of free thought fate had dealt with those brothers as with the two friends in richter's story it seized their bleeding hearts and flung them different ways when dr newman wrote the famous tract number ninety for which he was censured he bowed to the authority of his bishop if not to that of the heads of houses and he discontinued the publication of such treatises but he did not admit any change of opinion and indeed soon after he edited a publication called the british critic in which many of the principles held to be exclusively those of the church of rome were enthusiastically claimed for the english church 
yet a little and the gradual working of newman's mind became evident to all the world the brightest and most penetrating intellect in the church of england was withdrawn from her service and newman went over to the church of rome his secession was described by mr disraeli a quarter of a century afterwards as having dealt a blow to the church of england under which she still reels to this result had the inquiry conducted him which had led his friend dr pusey merely to endeavour to incorporate some of the mysticism and the symbols of rome with the ritual of the english protestant church which had brought keble only to seek a more liberal and truly christian temper for the faith of the protestant and which had sent francis newman into radicalism and rationalism End of section twenty one